With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And good morning and welcome to the NJSA's Blog Talk Radio Show, Conversations on New Jersey Education a show dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the important education issues of the day, a conversation that brings state leaders to you, and I hope that you all feel free to join in the conversation. My name is Ray Penny. I will be your host for this morning. A couple of ground rules. First, we will not be using the chat room feature of the show today if you're listening on the web. If you are interested in calling in, a few things you should know. To call in, dial one 347 989-8904. When you are ready to make a comment or ask a question, press 1. That will indicate on my switchboard that you are ready to ask a question or make a comment. One other note, on my switchboard it does not indicate the name of the caller, so I have someone who will be screening the calls. Her name is Lauren, so that I can get the names of the caller and their question and or topic. Also, if you are on the phone line, I will ask that you turn down the volume on your computer and only listen on the phone since there will be a delay and it is a bit confusing. Finally, I will not be taking callers right away, but I will in about 10 minutes or so. This past Tuesday, February 22nd, Governor Christie delivered his second budget address. School board members, administrators, and teachers were all bracing for the worst. Last year, after over $800 million was cut and many school districts were left scrambling, this year, with a hard and smaller cap of 2% and the economy appearing stagnant, most districts feared another cut or at least were preparing for flat state aid. So I would suspect that many were surprised that they would receive an increase. Besides the increase in state aid to school districts, there are a few other things revealed by the governor, like his direction in the area of education reform, as well as pension and benefit reform that we'll talk about today. Here this morning to talk about those issues is Mike Vancek, Director of Governmental Relations at New Jersey School Boards Association. Welcome, Mike. Good morning, Ray. Uh, Mike, before we get into a lot of the specifics, Governor Christie in his budget address used the term new normal several times to describe how his administration approached crafting a budget. Is there anything really different about how he approaches the state budget, or is it just that he has less money to work with than other governors? Well, I, I think... The part part of the new normal is the fact that there's less money, but it's it's really the the approach to dealing with less money. Previous governors and administrations have looked for ways to find increased revenues from various sources when there's been a shortfall in major revenues like sales and income taxes. This governor has has made it a point, and he he mentioned the, he used the term paradigm shift in his budget speech to to craft a budget that operates within the means. In other words, we're we're spending what we have. We're not looking to increase revenues or, or, or create one-shot gimmicks that will largely offset the fact that the economy is still recovering and the revenue stream isn't what it was several years ago. Um, 
last year, as I stated earlier, state aid was cut. The governor addressed this in his speech, and I'll quote him. He said, I agonized over making cuts to education aid last year. They were the very last cuts I approved. It was not a decision I took lightly. It was not something I wanted to do. However, in a year when shared sacrifice was required from everyone, it was a necessary choice. So I think he was rather pleased to announce this year that he was increasing uh, state aid from last year. Uh, and I think it was a surprise to many districts. Uh, uh, but how is that – what is that uh, increase and how is it being dispersed? Essentially, going back to last year, the governor cut uh, roughly 5% of, of everybody's aid. In some cases, that meant that the districts who got a minimum amount lost all their aid. In the current budget, he's proposed a 1% increase. So he's basically restoring 1% of the 5% reduction from last year to all districts across the board. And uh, so that's about 20% of what they Right. Received, it, it, uh, it, it, it breaks down to, in theory at least, one-fifth or 20% of, of, of the money that was cut last year in total. But on a district-by-district district basis, obviously that varies. Districts who lost all their aid and, and, and get money back are seeing, from a percentage basis, a 100% increase over, over what they got last year if they got nothing. So if we can continue at this rate, though, even though we were very happy to have an increase, it would take us th four years to get to where we were last year. I guess, yeah, I mean... Full state aid. In, in, in the context of, of, of your earlier question about the new normal, the, the, the big issue is that the, the lion's share of the money that the state uses to pay for school aid comes from the income tax. And, and although the economy has begun to recover, the income tax is still several billion dollars below where it was in the peak years of 2007 and 2008. So to the extent that the main revenue stream to support the aid to public schools has not completely recovered, um, there's no way, unless he, he makes cuts in, in other places, to fully restore what he reduced last year. Uh, the governor is obviously a strong proponent of charter schools and choice. Uh, there was an increase for charter schools in, in this, and how much was that? In, um, in, in, the, in the budget that's recommended to the legislature for fiscal year 12, the increase in charter school aid is $4.6 It goes from... 8.5 million last year to 13.1 million in, in fiscal year 12. Okay. Um, there was a leak uh, that uh, some of the Republicans in the Senate wanted to reduce the amount of money for preschool in some of the urban school districts, to, and then take that uh, those funds and disperse it to some of the suburban schools. Uh, what did the governor do with preschool? He he left it pretty much flat. Um, the, the the amount of money that was allocated for for preschool programs was just short of six hundred million dollars in the past budget. Um, that that money remains there. There's there's been no no change. Uh, obviously, some of this one percent increase in some districts could actually go to augment or offset preschool education costs. But in essence, he's made he's made no 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 substantial change in the allocation for preschool. In looking at this. And I, you know, let me just go to one other subject before, uh, you because you and I discussed it, and I, I still I'm not sure where is the the, the money from the the federal government, uh, the 267 uh, million that was to to, to save jobs. 
You know, that's a really good question. I, I had talked to several people in the administration about that because I had thought that perhaps a portion of this increase was was going to be offset by money from the the, the Federal Education Jobs Act that was that was approved last summer. Um, but that's not the case. Um, the the money that was made available to New Jersey was 267 or maybe even 268 million dollars, and there was an allocation by district through the school funding formula. Um, the the state applied for the money rather late, and and as a result, many districts had started the school year before the the, the actual numbers were known. And the, the former uh, acting commissioner Rochelle Hendricks sent a letter to. Uh, superintendents and school business officials suggesting that they may want to hold on to that money because the federal program allows that it could be spent in fiscal year 11 or fiscal year 12. So most of the districts in New Jersey opted to hold on to whatever their allocations were for fiscal year 12. Right now, the status of that money is unclear. I'm assuming that districts will want to draw that money in fiscal year 12 because if they don't, the money reverts back to the federal government. But that that component of money available to local districts is not part of the governor's budget request or so recommendation. That's something districts should keep an eye on uh, to see. Absolutely. To School business officials should be on. looking at that. Yes, that, that's absolutely right. Um, before I get into the pension and benefit reform, something as I was looking at this, I was thinking it looked like the governor's state aid uh, had one eye on how we disperse things, but also one eye on the the Supreme Court and the and the Abbott decision, and that he was cautiously as to where he placed money because there were rumors that there would be he might propose a new school funding formula, but that's nowhere there. Uh, do you think he had one eye on the courts when he made these some of these decisions? Well, I mean, I, I think in 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 good faith, the, the state's argument to the court has been that. The reason that, that there was a reduction in aid last year and the formula hasn't been funded in full is, is a direct result of the state's fiscal situation and, in particular, the decline in the income tax revenues that, as I said earlier, are, are the lion's share of the money the state uses to support school aid. Um, in this budget, he's he's making a good faith faith effort to show that within within the means that the state has available, he's he's trying to fund the formula as as appropriately as possible. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that was a consideration. Um, it remains to be seen what, what the result of Judge Doyne's hearings will be and what he recommends to the court, but that's going to play out in the next six to eight weeks, I would imagine. Um, in, in the interim, at least the, the the signal to the court and the people on the other side is that uh, the, the governor is in earnest about allow, allocating as much as he can to cover the cost of, of, of public education. Um, the part of the budget where I think a lot of the public workers and and in the education, the teachers in particular, get angry is over the governor's proposals in the area of pension and health benefits reform. Uh, I'll quote the, the governor again because uh, he said we have to reform in this area, and he offered uh, three main points. First, he said we are living longer than when these programs were established, so we should raise the retirement age. Inflation is low, so we should eliminate cost of living at adjustments. More, most importantly, whether it's early retirement benefits that aren't paid for employee contributions that are too low, we simply cannot afford the system we have and the promises that have been made. Uh, where do you think the legislature stand on, on this? Because I, I, I assume there's some agreement that we have to reform the system. I, I think I think everybody gets that the, the, the 
the current system is isn't sustainable in the sense that people are living longer, the the salaries are higher, and the commitments that were made are are costing actuarially speaking a lot more than people anticipated. The governor keeps using the number of 54 billion dollars as the current unfunded liability of the pension system and it's been said repeatedly by by people from from many sides that even if the state was to was to make it statutory or or actuarially calculated full full payment into the system the cost of the benefits based on the salaries etc are are still higher than 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 what was anticipated several years ago so um something has to change in order for the system to to operate the way it was meant to and if the state has to fund the system completely based on 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 actuarial projections a significant portion of the budget perhaps as much as a third of the budget which is basically what they spend on on school aid now would have to go to 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 pensions for people who aren't even you know any longer working so um clearly there's a, there's an issue that has to be addressed because the state's not going to grow its revenues anywhere near that that order of magnitude moving forward um from a health benefits perspective um, there were commitments made to to free or nearly free post retirement medical benefits over the years, and once again, as people live longer and the, and the cost of medical insurance has increased dramatically across the board, um, that that system, the 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 the, the healthcare system that the state is 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 funding, has a, a shortfall that exceeds the the shortfall in the pension system. So moving forward, without some some systemic changes, there's not, just not enough revenue to continue to fund that and meet all the other demands that the state government is is expected to to meet. Yeah, I think in the governor he even indicated as you said that he felt the health benefit uh situation was more dire than the pension. Uh but getting back to the pension, uh he mentioned his plan. Uh, am I correct in assuming that his plan was the one that the Republicans uh introduced in the legislation? And what were some of the main components of that that some of our personnel should be concerned with? Well, I'm not sure that there's one comprehensive proposal out there. I think um, I know Senator Sweeney obviously introduced a, a, a comprehensive pension reform bill. I'm not sure that there's one single bill on on the other side that that is competing with that right now. But consistently, the discussion has been that. Several changes need to be made. Specifically, uh, the retirement age needs to be raised to 65, um, obviously because people are living longer and the draw on the system is a lot longer. Um, the idea that that people could retire early with without any any significant penalties uh, is is going to be addressed. Um, previously, if you had 25 years of service and you hit age 55, you could retire with no penalty. Under under the proposals that have been floated out, that that number would go to 65, and if you retired before then, you would you would pay what amounts to a three percent a year penalty on on the total pension calculation. Um, the other thing that that's been widely discussed, and there are individual bills, and and this is built into the to the the Senate President's proposal, is the idea of rolling back the nine percent increase that was approved in 2000 or 2001. The, the the calculation of the pensions was based on the number of years of service over 60, and back in 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 
in that time period when acting governor DeFrancesco pushed this through the legislature, they changed the, the calculation to the number of years of service over 55 for everyone, including retirees, which resulted in a, a 9% increase in benefits. The discussion has been that moving forward, if people want to retain that, that 9% increase, they'd have to pay an additional uh, amount towards their pension or the, the, the remaining years of their service would be calculated with the with the denominator of 60, not 55. That that pr There's pretty clear agreement on that one. That's likely to happen. Um, obviously, depending upon where you are in the system, that 9% that change is, is either a nominal impact because it's only going to be a couple of years till you retire, or it's, it's really a 9% cut in your long-term benefits. Um, one of the other things that they, they've, they've discussed in, in the context of that, that um, the amount that your base is calculated on when you retire is moving from, from three years to, to uh, five years uh, of, of your highest rates of pay. And I'm not sure. I think that that actually may have been e even built into a, a bill that was passed last year. But there's, there's this idea of moving the, uh, the, the retirement age to 65, rolling back the 9% increase, changing the calculation base on the number of years of highest years of pay that, that that generates the average on which your pension is calculated. And the last thing, and it's a big one, is eliminating the COLA. In other words, mm -hmm. every year the the people who are retired get a certain cost of living increase. In other states, that's that's done annually by the governor and the legislature. It's not automatic. And, and I understand that that in and of itself is a significant amount of money. So given the fact that the rate of inflation has consistently been zero or, or fairly low, the, the thinking right now is that in, in, the current, in the current scenario, the cost of living increase is something that's putting an additional burden on the system, and, and it wouldn't be a great drama if it, was, if it was eliminated, at least temporarily. I think another thing that has to be put in perspective with, with this discussion is that, you know, if the economy turns around dramatically and the state revenue stream goes back to where it was in the in the, in the early to, or the, the middle part of the last decade when they were generating nearly 14 billion dollars a year in, in income tax as opposed to the 10.3 or 4 they're generating now a lot of these discussions would be academic um certainly discussions of, of whether there was a cost of living increase or not wouldn't be an issue because the state would have the resources to afford it but Given the current circumstances, once again back to your primary question when we started about the new normal, all these things are 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 designed to help the state navigate through difficult financial times and and salvage a system that a lot of people are counting on. Yeah, and the governor's uh, rationale is that he's trying to save the system for the teachers, the police officers, and the other public workers. Um, these changes are pretty dramatic, though, and uh, I suspect that we'll see some type of change because the Democrats have their own version. Uh, I'm not sure which will be the final version that we, we see passed at the legislature, but uh, would you uh, – I, I would guess that we would see more uh, – possibility more retirements for some people if they look at some of these possible changes. You know, I think I think it depends. Um one of the things that that I neglected to mention that's key to the pension proposal, and it also dovetails into the discussion of health benefits reform, is the amount that employees contribute. Um, 
right now, I, I guess, statutorily, state employees and, and people who are in, in other government agencies contribute no more than, I think it's 5.5% towards their, their, their retirement benefits. Um, there's there's been discussion of raising that significantly to to compare to what federal employees kick in and what some people in the private sector kick in on, on the health benefit side um the same thing the idea that that in the private sector most people pay roughly a third of their of their of their uh premium uh is something that that has taken hold on both sides of the aisle and i think that we're going to see in the context of pension and benefits reform uh, somewhat of a significant increase in the, in the the amount that people pay towards their retirement and also a fairly significant increase in the amount that people pay towards their medical premiums the governor wants to counterbalance that by offering a broader range of options so that people who are relatively healthy could pick a a a plan that is more more scaled down and less expensive hence their 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 payment even though it would be you know increased would be based on a lower premium so the the cost wouldn't be that dramatic on the other end you have people with families and 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 the premiums would be significant and i guess the difference between the, the what the governor's discussing and what people in the in the senate have talked about either is how they phase in the uh the 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 increase um senator sweeney has a proposal that would be based on on your income. So people at the low end of the spectrum would see their their premium increases ratchet up much more slowly than people who make uh you know above $100,000 a year. But all these things are 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 being discussed and what will emerge will likely be some kind of a compromise, but it's it's almost a guarantee that regardless of what the other parameters of pension and health benefits reforms are, the employees will be contributing more towards their pensions and paying a substantial increase in, in, in what their health benefits premiums cost. One of the criticisms from the Democrats to the governor was that he has, he wasn't making his payment to the pension uh, system and also uh, uh, the elimination of the re, uh, property tax rebate. Um uh, or credit, I should say. Uh, so he tried to, I guess, sweeten the pot a little bit by putting some money in the budget if they act on some of these reforms. What were those uh, incentives? Well, essentially what he's built into the budget for next year is 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 a, nearly a doubling of the amount that would be available to provide credits on senior and disabled citizens' property tax bills. Um, the increase is, is somewhere in the vicinity of $200 million. It's actually, I think it's a 189 and change is, is, is the total increase in, in that amount. But that's predicated on the, the legislature moving forward quickly with pension and health benefits reforms. And, and the thinking is that by law, the governor is required to put a minimum amount, $500 million, into the pension systems in the next cycle. He's he's allocated that, but he's told the legislature in his budget address that he's prepared to make a payment this year, $500 million mm -hmm. this year, and and double the, the, the credit for senior and disabled citizens if they'll enact health and, and uh, pension reforms right away. So there's a, there's a lot on the line in terms of ta property tax relief for for the for the people who are in theory least able to afford their property tax bills. Uh, um, we're talking with Mike Vancek, director of governmental relations with New Jersey School Board Association. Uh, if you're listening and you want to make a comment or ask a question, please dial one three four seven 
989-8904, and then press 1 after you're on, and that will indicate that you want to ask a question. Um, so if there's competing... That's what I was... If they have competing um, plans, the Democrats and the Republicans, it would then indicate that something will be done of, of some sort. We don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, given given the 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 order of magnitude of the shortfall and and the the the, the consensus that unless something changes, you know, ten or fifteen years out, there there might be a problem making the required payments on an annual basis to retirees. The thinking is that action needs to be taken now to address this head on, and and you know, one of the fundamental questions in the context of the new normal, i.e. not finding new revenues or raising taxes, but finding ways to spend more effectively, is is this idea that we have to take a look at what the rest of the world does and figure out ways to to begin to ratchet up what employees are contributing to, to their benefits. Because for the most part in the private sector, people don't have uh, – they have defined benefit, but not defined contribution plans. And, and, and as a result um, – their benefits when they retire are, are are much less, and and they're they're more in control of of what what they have to to retire on, and much more involved in 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 the discussion. Because if if you're in the state system heretofore, you've you've basically been able to retire with a guarantee that for the balance of your days, you're going to get a a, a fairly reasonable amount. Based on the number of years of service you were in and, and the salary you attained, um, and the same is true with health benefits coverage. Um, people in the private sector don't 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 have those benefits, and I think the governor's tapped into a, a, a nerve in the in the in the with the public at large that the state can't afford to pay benefits that most of the people in the in the private sector don't have. Um, I'm oversimplifying it, and there are other sides to the argument, but I think right. that's the basis for this discussion. Um, now, the, he's, did he build into this budget any assumptions that some of these bills would be passed, any savings or anything uh, with pension or benefit reforms? Well, yeah, I mean, there there is some assumptions built in in, in some of the background material that, that that was released as a preliminary to the to the actual budget message itself, which is in very significant detail. Uh, it, it looks like they they assumed. Savings of several hundred million dollars as a combination of reduced costs for state employee benefits and 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 pension contributions. Um, that being said, it remains to be seen what happens to the budget assumptions for next year if those savings aren't realized. My suspicion is that that the first thing that would be in jeopardy would be the increase in the in the credits for senior and disabled citizens. Because the money that that's being saved is being spent somewhere. It's not it's not going into the surplus. It's being used to cover some of the some of the the, the line items that the, the governor has included. And my thinking is that one of the first ones would be the the order of magnitude of the credit for those 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 that property tax relief. I see we have a caller, uh, Don from Ocean County, Don Webster. Don, can you are you there? Yes, I am, Ray. And you have a comment? Yeah, I, w- I was just going to make a comment. By the way, great, great show this morning. Um, my my take on the governor's budget. Um, I'm looking at it as um, a situation where we're putting basically a band-aid on a large open wound. 
Um, it's going to slow the bleeding, but it's certainly by no means going to stop the bleeding going forward. Um, in my own district's <clears throat> situation, looking at next year's budget, we're, we're going to have to make a, um, a lot of cuts. Uh, we're looking at a double-digit increase in health insurance premiums. We're looking at a situation where gasoline prices are up 25% over last year and are expected to go to 4 and $5 in the next 6 to 12 months. And we're looking at um, additional mandates. This recently enacted anti-bullying legislation contains all sorts of administrative and training requirements that are, that are unfunded. So we've, uh, we've got our work cut out for us going into the next budget cycle, as far as I can see. And this increase in state aid, in, in our particular case, uh, we lost $2.4 million last year. Um, he's putting back 400000 this year, so I look at that as a situation where over a two-year period we lost $2 million. We made $2 million worth of cuts last year. None of those cuts we made last year are going to be restored going forward as far as I can see. I think, I think Don, you may be right. Uh, the, 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 the thing that, that I, I guess is, is, the, is the major issue is whether or not the economy grows quickly enough to sustain continued growth in, in, in some of these line items and, and how districts fare, given that they have a, a 2% levy cap to deal with, which is a hard cap that doesn't allow for a lot of exceptions. Um, That's correct. The, one notable exception, though, is the fact that to the extent that, that the, the state health benefits cost, if you participate, or, or a private plan, if, if you're in a private one, increase beyond the 2% uh, amount, you automatically are allowed to adjust your base to build those in. Of course, you know the taxpayers have to approve a budget that's going to have a levy increase that exceeds that, and the governor said it, as recently as yesterday that because those exemptions are in the, are in the 2% the, the levy cap law, if the legislature doesn't enact pension and benefit reforms, those increased costs will be passed on to taxpayers because the legislature hasn't done what it's supposed to do. So he's putting the blame back on the legislature. Uh, the broader issue is that, as you said, even though there's a 1% uh, reinstatement, there's still a significant amount, 4% cut, in addition to the amount that everybody lost last year when they had to dip into their surplus to cover the reduction in, in direct aid that occurred for the balance of, of fiscal year 10. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that, that districts are, are catching up with, and although the budget represents a move in the right direction, we're far from being where we were several years ago. Yeah, yeah, Don, we're, we're Don still I would also add that uh, when he says the new normal, I think the new, new normal is that we were not going to have the we're not going to be flush with funds, and it may take us a few years to get back to where we were a couple of years ago. And the decisions are going to be hard. And you bring an excellent point with a lot of the turmoil in the Middle East and the price of oil rising. I think that has a dramatic effect on a lot of school budgets. Yeah, and although our district, you know, participates in a cooperative purchasing situation so we're not paying the retail pump price as the general level of the cost of, of oil goes goes up we will see increases and of course we're a rural district 80 square miles so we we have a fairly substantial transportation budget and we we burn a lot of gasoline so it is it is a concern for us given what's been going on lately my my other concern about what's going on in Trenton has to do with 
you know, the un unfunded mandates, um, this administration coming in, it said they were going to take a look at those kinds of situations and try to remedy, remedy them, and I don't really see that happening. And, of course, the toolkit kinds of things that we said that would be helpful for, for school districts, I don't really see a whole lot of movement on those items either. So, you know, the legislature could go a long way to helping us by getting off the dime and moving on some of these issues. Uh, Mike, before you comment on that, I would probably, I think the governor and the legislature would disagree with you on the anti-billing from their point of view is that there's no additional cost uh, that the work should be done by people already on staff. Uh, I'm not sure if most school districts would agree with that, uh, but no, that's, I think that's the, the problem. We don't agree. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, do you have any further comments on Don? Yeah, a, a couple things. I, I think I think that um, Don's right. There there is still a ways to go. Um, one of the things that we need to do is is to is to get our hands around. What are the increased costs for for the bullying bill, and, and and make people understand on both sides, the the administration and the legislature, that that in fact in many instances the assumptions that that led them to make this comment that there was no increased cost are are flatly not true. Um, it, it, with respect to 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 inflation, and particularly driven by the 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 situation in the Middle East, I think that that bears watching because that's. That's a cap buster in and of itself. Um, I, I think that right now there's 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 a real need to get focused on the things that are going to help local districts keep the lid on on their on their costs, and the big one is salaries, and that means things like uh, tenure reform and, and the the, the reimposition of last best offer, and some of the things that that give local boards of education the ability to to hold the line on 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 salaries are are going to be key to to living in 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 a context of more money but not nearly as much as we had in the past um and and to the extent that you know we're 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 not ratcheting up immediately to where we were two or three years back um it this becomes a problem that local districts are going to have to deal with and we need the legislature's help to to figure out ways to give us what we need to control our operating costs, and and we need everybody, the governor and the legislature, to be aware of the fact that there are some costs that 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 they're not seeing directly that are going to drive school districts to make some very difficult decisions. Well, you mentioned tenure reform, so I, I probably should just move on into that other uh, area that he took the the opportunity to speak of, and that was his education reform agenda, which is not tied directly to the budget, but does affect school budgets and uh, our personnel. Uh, let me, let me do, I'll, I'll give you another one of his quotes uh, that he mentioned when he had talked about education reform. The need for reform, of course, is more urgent than ever. This is the third big challenge we must address this year. We need to reward excellent teachers, put an end to automatic tenure, and give parents trapped and failing schools a choice for a better future for their children. Once and for all, we must reward excellence, and there must be a consequence for failure. This is the way it is all across America, and we must finally bring it to all of New Jersey's classrooms. Um, Don, I'll put you on hold right now, and if you want to ask a question later, uh, you can. That's fine. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Mike, what are his thoughts? Uh, let's do tenure, because it, it well, deals with seniority evaluations, merit pay, and tenure. We'll do tenure first quickly. 
I guess you know the the, the proposal that the the acting commissioner put forward uh, last week or the week before in Princeton is 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 something slightly less than than what the New Jersey School Boards Association has been advocating for. The idea that 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 we have in 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 our context is the elimination of tenure outright and the replacement of it with you know five year contracts. Um, that that give teachers a, a five years to initially get to tenure, and then a, a review on a on a every five year basis, so that if if they weren't meeting the the anticipated standards, and and that that whole standards issue was a, is a very large question, um, their contracts wouldn't be continued. I think the governor and other people are focused on the fact that. Um, we have a, a number, and, and the number exceeds 100 in New Jersey, of not school districts but schools where students chronically underperform on, on any measure of, of testing. And to the extent that we don't do something to right that problem, um, we have doomed a, a subset of the kids who attend public school in New Jersey to, to not be able to compete with their peers, not just in New Jersey but nationally and internationally. And the governor is, says that, that school choice and, and, and some of the other initiatives that he's put forward are the, are the solutions. Uh, my, my perspective is that it's unclear that, that those solutions in and of themselves are going to dramatically change the, the circumstances here. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about how you reshape schools, especially in, 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 in chronically failing districts, um, or, or underperforming districts, I should say, to, to address the problems, which are multifaceted. Um, but school choice and the idea of charter schools are, are, are a component, but you know, the, the idea of school choice is predicated on an assumption that a lot of districts will, will voluntarily participate. Right now, I think the last time I, I, I checked, 72 districts had applied to be inter-district public school choice schools. The DOE has to approve their applications, and, and, and a number of those districts, likely most of them, will be approved to accept students from other districts. That in and of itself doesn't guarantee that those students are automatically going to see their performance improve. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of other components here, um, but there's 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 an ongoing set of questions about whether or not charter schools, in and of themselves, are are the fundamental solution to to the the problem of 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 a school that is chronically underperforming. Um, if if a subset of the students from that school are able to go to a charter school and the charter school has everything right and 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 the appropriate curriculum and, and great teachers etc., it's likely that those kids, if they apply themselves, will do better. But it begs the question of what happens to the students who aren't able to go to those charter schools and 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 what happens in those districts that that are dealing with some of the schools that that don't seem to be making making the cut in terms of performance standards um so there's there are bigger questions here and i think that um these are these are all great ideas but i don't think any one of them is going to solve the problem and i don't think anybody believes that Shifting the model from a, a, a public school model to a to a charter school model in and of itself is going to solve the problems in in public education in New Jersey. Uh, he brought up a couple other things, and just for our listeners, I, I think tenure will be a, a a show in and of itself. Tenure reform, anyway. Uh, he also did bring up, uh, at least, alluded to Commissioner Acting Commissioner Surf's 
ideas on uh, improving teacher evaluation and, more importantly, seniority reform uh, when we go through rifts uh, of that sort uh, and merit pay. Uh, Do you think any of that will be acted on rather quickly, or is that where the unions, uh, the NJA and the Democrats might have more in common? Senator Ruiz, the chair of the Senate Education Committee, has promised to introduce a bill that that outlines a a, a scenario for reforming the tenure system relatively soon. Um, whether or not the the bill is, is introduced, and I'm I'm sure that it will be, um, is less important than than how it's received in the legislature, uh, because there's also the assembly side to deal with, and and having bills introduced very quickly doesn't guarantee that they're gonna they're going to be passed by both houses and signed by the governor in, in, in any particular time frame. I mean, in an ideal world, great ideas would be put forward, legislation would be crafted that reflects those ideas, the legislature would act and the governor would sign the legislation and laws would be enacted in, in a relatively short time period. The fact is, as we all know, legislative sessions last for two years for a reason. It often takes that long for, for bills to make it through committees and, and, and both houses and, and the governor's review. So although I'd like to say that this is going to happen quickly, my thinking is that it's going to take a while. And these aren't tied to the his budget uh, language at all, whereas the pension and health benefit reforms are tied a little bit closer to his state budget. These are separate issues in and of Yeah, I mean, there's no way to – I mean, at, at a local district level, there may be a way to quantify the implications of, of some of the some of the proposals for tenure reform and, and, and collective bargaining changes. But at, at the state level, there's no way to, to factor in savings that are, that are related to that, unlike, as you said, the, the pension and health benefits costs, which in, in the context of public education, the, the state plays a major role in. I have a – Two more issues I, I want to touch on before we go. Uh, one, you know, we talked about the pension uh, uh, changes. And if there is a big influx in who uh, retires, would that be a burden on the current system? Now, that means there would be more people drawing on the pension uh, than normally. Uh, is that a concern? I mean, that's a concern that I've heard from several people. Well, last year there was a lot of – there was a lot of – buzz about changes to the pension system and, and, and retirement eligibility that was that was going to drive people to 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 retire. Um, there was an initial dramatic upturn in the number of inquiries that the division of pensions got, but uh, in my mind is that the normal number of retirees is somewhere around three percent annually, and last year I think it went up to like six percent, which was significant, but but. Nothing like the 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 potential fifteen or twenty percent that some people feared. I think a lot of people took a deep breath and waited to see what the details were. And I think right now that's largely what's happening. There, there's there's a lot of water that has to go under the bridge, and there's a lot of assumptions that you know, in the sound bites that go with the discussion of these things don't don't get clarified. In particular, the idea that. Um, people who have a significant amount of time invested in this system would be impacted by all these proposals. Um, for people who have who have 20 or 25 years of service, it may well be that 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 these provisions would not apply. Um, so there's 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 a lot of discussion about if these proposals are put in place, who's impacted? 
how many of the people who are currently in this system would 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 be prompted to leave because they're they're 56 or 57 and wanted to work till 60, not to 65, and are afraid that they'd have to pay a penalty if they retired at 60. Um, those kinds of questions need to be clarified, and as the bills advance and the discussion in, in, the, in the committees ensues, I think a lot more clarification will be will be brought out, and that will determine what actually happens. I don't think either side. I don't think that the either side of the aisle or the governor wants to be responsible for the demise of the existing system. Um, in fact, their efforts, honestly, I think, are, are, are towards salvaging a system moving forward so that the current retirees and people who are anticipating that this is going to be the, the way that they, they, they live in their, in their uh, post-employment years are, are going to be okay. So the idea that they would create a, a scenario that would force so many people out of the system that it would become insolvent is is not something that I think anybody would say is 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 even been considered. And in fact, if 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 it if it if it came to that, I think they might have to make some modifications to guarantee that there wasn't a dramatic you know decline in 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 the number of people who who are in government employment and and are cashing in on their retirement plans. Okay, uh, well we're coming to the end. Uh, uh, that brings us to the end of another edition of Conversations on New Jersey Education. I want to let you know that next week we have a special show geared to helping parents understand school budgets. It's called Education Issues for the Non-Educator, and uh, that will be next Friday at 11 o'clock. And I'd like to thank Mike Rancic for joining us once more. And if you have any issues, please uh, email me at rpinney at njsba.org, and I'll try to put them on the show. And thank you. Thanks, Ray. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.